Welcome to the Veterinary Pulse podcast. My name is Jordan Benchia. I'm the executive director of the VIN Foundation. Veterinary Pulse is the heartbeat of the profession. Join us as we talk with veterinary colleagues about critical topics from student debt to mental health and share stories. Stories connect us as humans, as animals, as a veterinary community. This podcast is made possible through individual donors like yourself and our technology partnership with VIN, the Veterinary Information Network. Thank you for being here. This episode, we're having a discussion with VIN Foundation board member and student debt expert, Dr. Tony Bartels. Well known for his popular climbing mount debt presentations, Tony shares how COVID and the CARES Act are impacting veterinary school student loans. He offers helpful information to both veterinary students and veterinarians trying to navigate these uncertain times while balancing their debt load. Thank you for listening. Welcome, Tony. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for putting this together. There's been a lot of changes to student loans due to COVID. Will you take us through a timeline of what's happened? Sure. So uh, back in March earlier this year, um, kind of at the on- onset of the uh, the outbreak of, of COVID, there was a presidential action that was um, put into effect that paused payments and set interest rates to zero. And shortly after that, so later in March, Congress actually passed uh, the CARES Act and the president signed that into law. Uh, and that made the changes a little bit more specific, but it, it still essentially did the same thing that the presidential action did. Uh, the interest rates were set to zero, payments on all federally held student loans were set to zero, um, and you didn't have to do anything, right? These, these were changes that were all done automatically. Uh, if you had the appropriate loan types, uh, the nice thing that the CARES Act specified uh, were for those folks who were using plans like income-driven repayment plans, PageWorn, revised PageWorn, IBR, uh, it specified that the time uh, spent during the suspension period would also count towards forgiveness. And, and for any of those folks who were working towards public service loan forgiveness, it also specified that this time, uh, provided they were still employed by a qualified employer, would also count towards public service loan forgiveness as well. And so that initial shift that happened and created the CARES Act back in March, what changes have happened since then? Yeah, so there's we've we've seen that automatically applied to everybody who has that appropriately held federal loan type. Um, you didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to request anything. Uh, and that caused a lot of confusion at first. And they also um, applied it using the, uh, the forbearance options that are out there. So those were some of the um, ways that it was implemented. Uh, usually when we see things like forbearances on student loans, those are not a good thing, but this is, this is quite different, right? This is a special kind of forbearance that the CARES Act specified and, and has all those benefits that we talked about previously. Now the CARES Act was due to expire at the end of this month, so September 30th, uh, and theoretically we were all gonna re-enter repayment based on whatever repayment plan we were using ahead of time, or if we hadn't entered repayment yet, we would provide some income documentation and potentially enter uh, something like an income-driven repayment plan. But uh, there has been a new presidential action issued um, earlier this 
earlier in August, and we have now gotten some clarification from the Department of Education on that. And essentially that extends the relief that the CARES Act provided through the end of the year. And when that, when that action was uh, initially issued, there was some question as to how it was going to be interpreted. Uh, but now we've seen how the Department of Education is uh, interpreting it. You can see that on studentaid.gov. Um, and we've also started to receive, or you should have started to receive from your loan servicer uh, their interpretation of what the Department of Education is telling them to do. And essentially they are, are taking this presidential action as a, um, an extension of the CARES Act uh, through the end of this year. And how does somebody know if their lo student loans qualify for the CARES Act suspension or forbearance? Yeah, so you should see, you shouldn't, one would have received some kind of notification from your loan servicer, but if you don't uh, have the right email with them or you know they have the wrong address for you, you may not have received any kind of correspondence from your loan servicer. Uh, another way is to log into your uh, loan servicer account and you should see that your interest rates are set to zero. Right, so for any student loan that uh, falls under the CARES Act uh, appropriations, then you'll you'll um, you'll receive a zero percent interest rate, and also your payment is is shut off essentially. So um, those are all indications that you have the right types of loans that qualify for those. If you're still a little bit confused, um, what we tell people to do is go and obtain their student aid data file, and that's another piece of information that you can grab from studentaid.gov. And when you're logged in there using the same credentials that you use to apply for student loans, um, you can obtain your um, student aid data file. And that is essentially your complete record of your federal student loan borrowing history. And if you grab that file and then go over to the VIN Foundation Student Debt Center and upload it to the My Student Loans tool, so vinfoundation.org forward slash My Student Loans, you can take that student aid data file, upload it there, and we'll identify those loans that, that qualify for the CARES Act. You'll see a 0% interest rate for those. And in the loan servicer section, you'll see Department of Ed labeled as the, um, the owner, essentially, of those loans. And any, any loan that's owned by the Department of Education is, qualifies for the CARES Act uh, suspension and this extended presidential action. And the, all these links that you're mentioning, we will add them into the episode notes that they're easy to access. You mentioned the word forbearance, and a lot of people might hear that and think, wow, that sounds really scary. and I'm not sure I want that on my record. <laughs> Is that something that they should be concerned about? Or because we're in this unusual situation, while it may seem scary to, you know, a lot of people in normal instances, in this one, it's not. How do you, you know, yeah. you read on that? Right. So generally speaking, we, we've spent a lot of time uh, really discouraging people to uh, from using you know things like deferment and forbearance on their their student loans and and loan servicers for years have been really quick to put your loans in forbearance if you call them and ask a question or you know signify that you're having any difficulty making student loan payments and and you know generally speaking keeping your loans in an income driven repayment plan is much better than putting your loans into a deferment or forbearance. Uh, however, this is a, um, you know, just like everything else that's associated with uh, COVID-19 and, and all the things going on around us, this is a pretty unique situation. So the CARES Act actually calls this a, a suspension period, right? It doesn't call it a, a forbearance, but the forbearance is kind of, you can think of it as the, uh, the logistically, technically appropriate way for them to apply 
what is laid out in the CARES Act. So uh, this time and pretty much this time alone, um, it's okay to have your loans in that, in that forbearance, right? This automatic forbearance that was applied if you have uh, those appropriate federally held student loans. But I would still discourage anyone from voluntarily requesting a forbearance that isn't specific to this um, COVID-19 pandemic in the CARES Act uh, because it, it, it does have some uh, pretty negative con uh, consequences. So if we get over this word forbearance and we focus on the suspension, there also seems to be a lot of questions with concerns about the government not fully honoring these changes. Like, are they going to go back on this? You know, just concerns in general about depending on the government and these changes because it's such a big shift. What would you say to address those concerns? Yeah, so I mean, those are those have been you know concerns around the income driven repayment plans and, and forgiveness uh, when it comes to student loans, uh, since these things have really gained steam and popularity. Uh, but I would say that the, you know, the, the rules and the regulations, the laws are, are, are quite specific when it comes to how student loans are to be treated. And, and that was the nice thing about Congress um, specifying exactly what was due to happen in the CARES Act is that we have some pretty, you know, tight language around these this special time, this special suspension period will qualify towards forgiveness, any type of forgiveness that you're working towards, whether it be income-driven repayment forgiveness or public service loan forgiveness, that time will count um, under the law that is the CARES Act, right? So there are some pretty uh, specific and um, actually robust protections for that. And the other, the other part that, that helps to support it are, are the information that's available on the studentaid.gov website. So essentially the Department of Education, they answer these questions and they say pretty explicitly um, what this means for various aspects of your student loan repayment situation. Um, and it, the same language has been echoed by student loan servicers, right? So we've got a lot of layers of, um, you know, information that's, that has been largely uh, consistent across all of those entities that signify that these are, you know, that these are qualifying payments and this time counts and, and that you shouldn't, you shouldn't be worried about that. Now, the other part of that is just making sure that it all comes true, right? So there's a little bit of administrative um, homework on your part to make sure that you're documenting that, yes, I was in an income-driven repayment before this period took effect and that all of this time should, in fact, count towards your forgiveness. Um, if you're working towards public service loan forgiveness, you're still going to want to submit the employment certification form, uh, probably after all this is this is ended and the suspension periods are over, they'll do a better job of accounting for all of that sort of thing. Uh, but you want to, you know, kind of the old adage of, of trust but verify, right? I mean, so uh, there's some really good information out there and we've gotten some good assurance that this is in fact the case, but you're going to want to verify that for your specific situation just to make sure that that everybody's on the same page. You referred to this a couple of times already, but just to make it clear for our audience, if you are in income-driven repayment plans, a plan, and your payments are now being suspended because of the CARES Act, this does not tack on any time at the end to forgiveness, correct? That is correct. So the, the and this is really, I would say, added bonus of this CARES Act legislation for those of us who are using an income-driven repayment plan and working towards any kind of forgiveness. 
whether it's the taxable version or, or, or public service loan forgiveness, which is non-taxable, is because this time, so this roughly nine months of time that we know of, uh, will count towards that forgiveness. So it's not going to interrupt any uh, time that we anticipated being in repayment. It's not going to add any time to that. Um, and having the payments set to zero and the interest set to zero is essentially the same as wiping off nine months of payments for your forgiveness, right? So this, this has really been kind of an unexpected bonus for any of us who are working towards uh, forgiveness using an income-driven repayment plan. And, you know, in my opinion, it was really kind of, you know, not even really needed. You know, I mean, I think that it is, you know, the income-driven repayment plans were set up to handle this exact kind of thing, right? So if you were, you know, a you know, pandemic or losing a job or unexpected interruption in your income, we already had protection using the income-driven repayment plans that would allow us to have our payments set to zero or, you know, reduced because our income was reduced. Uh, but they just, you know, Congress and the president went kind of above and beyond in this aspect and turned the interest rates off, uh, turned the payments due off, and also gave us credit towards income-driven repayment. Um, that that went even beyond my expectations for, for things that were going to happen uh, during this pandemic regarding student loans. So what happens if someone's currently in repayment and their loan status now says forbearance, but they're set up for automatic payments? Do they need to turn off the automatic payments or how does that work? Yeah, so the, if you have the federally held student loans, uh, then and you had your auto pay turned on, which I would recommend everybody do because you get a 0.25% interest rate discount uh, as part of using the auto pay feature on any kind of federal uh, or direct loan. Um, they turn those off automatically too, right? So as part of the automatic application of the CARES Act provisions, everybody got their automatic payments turned off, everybody had their interest turned off, everybody had their minimum monthly payments turned off. So that happened automatically, you didn't have to request that. If for some reason you did want to re-enter repayments and have a minimum monthly payment due, you can voluntarily uh, request to have the forbearance ended and then you can have a minimum monthly payment due, which means you can then turn the auto payment feature back on. You'll still, you'll still have the 0% interest rate though, right? There's no way to voluntarily end that. Not that there would be any reason, logical reason for anybody to do that. Um, you'll still receive the 0% interest rate during this, this period that'll last at least for the end of this year. Is there a scenario in which you would recommend making payments to student loans during the suspension? That's a, you know, that's a tough one. That's, um, it really depends on the specifics of the circumstance. Uh, but you do have to understand how student loans behave before the pandemic and all of the CARES Act provisions to know whether or not it makes sense financially to make payments during this suspension period. Uh, for some people, and you know, it's, it's not wrong to think that, hey, my interest rates are zero, I can really make a dent in my student loans and, and, and play some catch up or, or maybe pay them off faster than I was expecting to. And that that can work, that can be a good strategy. If you didn't experience any interruption in, in your income, or maybe you've even experienced an increase in your income. We've seen a lot of veterinarians report that they're busier than ever. So maybe you've even increased your income during this time frame, and, and you don't want that uh, payment to be off. I would still encourage you to kind of take a second, second look at that. Uh, with your interest rates being zero, and no payment being due, regardless of the repayment plan 
you're using, you're essentially in suspended animation for your student loans right now, right? So there's really no benefit to making that payment now versus making the payment right before the suspension period ends. So if you're using, if you're not using an income driven repayment plan, or maybe your student debt to income ratio is less than one, and you anticipate paying your student loans to zero before reaching forgiveness, then it can make sense for you to make additional payments during this period. But I would still hold off on making regular monthly payments. I would instead take the payment that I was anticipate, anticipating making and put it into the highest yielding interest bearing account I could find. I would stock up on that account. And then right before we find out that this suspension period is going to end, if it still makes sense for me to make that payment, then I would make that payment at that time, right? Because that gives me the flexibility to, you know, it, in case I need those funds for something else or something other pops up. I mean, we are still in the midst of a pandemic here, right? So anything goes, anything can happen. So what might feel like a, you know, great financial time for you now can maybe change as quickly as tomorrow. If you or somebody in your family gets sick or has to spend some time in the hospital or your practice that you're working at is adversely affected because of the area that you're living. I mean, who knows, right? So I would want to have that cash available to me in a savings account, potentially earning interest in case I need it for emergency purposes, rather than give that money over to the Department of Education and not have access to it, right? Because the impact that you're going to have on your student loans, whether you make that payment now or three or four months ago, or a month from now, is going to be exactly the same as if you put all of that towards your student loans, you know, right before the suspension period is deemed to be over, right? So keep that cash on hand, uh, enjoy the suspension period. If it still makes sense for you to make a payment as the suspension period winds down, then do it right, right before it ends, right? Cause that would be, you know, cause then you can have a better idea of, you know, how do things look for me, right? I, I don't anticipate an eruption in my income. I still have a good robust emergency fund. I, I'm still maxing out my retirement accounts. I've, I've met other, my, my other financial goals. I still think it's appropriate for me to pay, make this large payment towards my student loans. That's the time to do it, right? Right at the time that the suspension period is about to end and you don't anticipate any interruptions in your income. We've discussed what this means for veterinarians already in repayment plans. What does this mean for veterinary students? Veterinary students are actually, uh, this is a great time from a student loan standpoint to be in veterinary school, right? So we've, we've done a couple of meetings with uh, some uh, VBMA and SAVMA groups at, at specific schools already this semester. Uh, I, you know, fully understand and uh, empathize with the change in how they are being educated this semester. But for those who are borrowing for their education. This, this is a, a huge bonus, right? It's for them to have no interest accruing on the loans that they're using to finance their education is huge. This is particularly uh, beneficial for those who are in their third or fourth year of veterinary school, right? Because the more that you borrowed, uh, the more principal balance that you have on hand, you know, the bigger impact that 0% interest uh, suspension is going to have on your portfolio. Right, so uh, from, a, from a standpoint of being a veterinary student, particularly those certain fourth year students, this is, um, again, this is a huge, huge relief uh, when it comes to um, the amounts that are going to normally, would normally accrue while they're in school. So that should reduce their uh, total repayment balances. We've done some 
analysis, depending on where you fall in the borrowing spectrum. I mean, these, this, this could result in, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of savings for some people. So uh, that's, a, you know, again, this is a, these, these are big dollar amounts um, and they're really, you know, a, well, a welcomed um, relief when it comes to student loans and students. Has the Vin Foundation Student Dent Center made any updates to address the CARES Act? We have, yeah. So we have worked in the CARES Act to the Vin Foundation Student Debt Center. You're going to see those uh, changes in either the My Student Loans tool, the in-school loan estimator, or the loan repayment simulator. Right. So we had accounted for the period of time covered by the CARES Act, right? So at least through the end of September, but we also added a feature in there that allows you to extend the uh, CARES Act provisions um, based on new information that we hear, right? So or like recently, we've got the presidential action that we know is going to extend it to at least the end of the year. Who knows, maybe Congress will still act before the end of September and codify that into law or maybe even extend it beyond there, right? We really, we just really don't know. So we have that flexibility built into uh, all of the tools in the Vin Foundation Student Debt Center to accommodate that, that time that we either know about or that we anticipate so we can see and quantify the impact to our student loans, no matter where we are in the, uh, the stage of repayment. Where would you suggest someone goes for updates on this topic? You've mentioned that, I mean, obviously the CARES Act is sort of right now is through the end of this year, but it can feel like a moving target. What are some of the places you'd suggest are good to go to refer for the most uh, latest information? And we'll make sure to put the links in the episode notes. Yeah, so studentaid.gov is probably the first place that anybody um, would want to make a stop. And at the top of the page, uh, they have a big banner that talks about the coronavirus uh, impacts to student loans, whether you're a borrower or a person in repayment. They've got a lot of scenarios laid out. You know, what if this, what if that? And they answer those questions. Uh, it's probably the most explicit information I've ever seen the Department of Education provide. So it's a really, really useful uh, resource. And it's been kept up to date uh, pretty regularly. Uh, the other sources of information, I would, I would always go to the Vin Foundation Student Debt Center. Um, we're constantly posting um, updates to what's going on with your student loans, either on the tools themselves uh, or as part of the Vin Foundation blog, right? So we've been uh, chronicling a lot of this through the Vin Foundation blog. So vinfoundation.org forward slash blog, and you'll find some of the recent postings there. Uh, we've even done some videos that cover all of the CARES Act provisions and, and how to identify these things um, in a more of a step-by-step -step fashion if you still have some questions about that. And we continue to add content like we're, like we're doing now with this podcast to, to help you understand the impacts uh, to your student loans. We've covered a lot of information so far. What would be one piece of advice you'd give someone who is navigating student loans in this age of COVID and feeling uneasy? Yeah, I think it really depends on your situation. Uh, but I think for those of you that have student loans, maybe you're in repayment and you still have a, a, a consistent source of income, use this bonus time to start boosting a lot of the other areas of your financial plan. I know student loans are, are really uh, kind of a source of stress for many students and recent graduates but use this time to kind of think about, hey, what does the rest of my, my financial wellness look like? You know, for some of us, again, turning these payments off and turning the interest off 
has resulted in tens of thousands of dollars of additional cash flow, right? What, what are some other things that you can do with that cash flow that are going to be way more beneficial than, you know, making payments on a 0% interest rate loan, right? So this is a great opportunity to build an emergency fund, you know, start investigating retirement accounts. If you've never started one of those, uh, if you are using one, can you contribute more, right? Maximizing your retirement contributions, which also reduces in many cases, your taxable income, which can also reduce your monthly payment when we do re-enter repayment, right? So there's a lot of things that are kind of tied together when it comes to student loan repayment and how you use your income uh, that you can take advantage of some of these things like saving for retirement or buying a home or thinking about buying a practice, right? All of these, all of these things are doable uh, and even more doable when you don't have a monthly student loan payment due uh, but you still get all of the benefits that you normally would as if you were in repayment and in good standing on your student loans. Right? So take advantage of this opportunity to reassess your financial plan and try to boost a lot of those other areas that, uh, that many recent grad veterinarians are, are kind of leaving on the wayside because their student loans typically command all of their attention. I think that's wonderful advice for those with student loans who might feel a little bit uneasy in this time because we know that there is a lot of uncertainty right now. Absolutely. Is there anything else that you feel like would be important to share with our audience? Uh, I just hope that everybody is, is otherwise safe and healthy and remain so during this, this outbreak. Again, it's been, it's been kind of interesting to see uh, the impacts economically to the veterinary profession. I, I, you know, thankfully, and it really depends on, on the area that you live, but it, it does seem like uh, this has been kind of a, almost a boost to the veterinary profession. We've seen a lot of demand for veterinary services, which is great for veterinarians. Um, but, uh, you know, take advantage of the opportunities that you have. And if you have been impacted by COVID-19 in any way, you know, again, these are, these are benefits that are in place to help you weather those storms. Um, hopefully you've got an emergency fund on hand to, to help you weather those storms as well. And, and you're able to um, get back on your feet and, and you know, help your family get back on their feet if, if they're impacted as well. Wonderful, thanks so much for joining us, Tony. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Veterinary Pulse. Please check the episode notes for additional information referenced in the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow, subscribe, and share review. We welcome feedback and hope you will tune in again. You can find out more about the VIN Foundation through our website, vinfoundation.org, and our social media channels. Thank you for being here. Be well.